Hey, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I want to just highlight what was given to you this morning. Today we're starting our seven-day prayer focus, or tomorrow, we'll kick it off tonight, so from Sunday to Sunday, but eight nights, seven days. So um, this here is a um, our prayer focus as a church that we're asking you to pray over the next uh, week with us, and there's a schedule for the week on the other side, but if you open the page nine on, on your booklet here, uh, this is, yeah, page nine. Sorry, I'm going there with you. So in this, this is a guide with different types of prayers. A, a quick little note from me that I wrote in on, on the front side. Um, but so we have a prayer targets for the churches on this card. But then we, we want you to have your own personal prayer targets over this next seven day uh, prayer focus. Now, every year since um, we kicked off our church the first January was 2015. We have always started the years with 21 days of prayer and fasting. This year we're going to do it differently because we want to keep returning to uh, the, the, a prayer focus throughout the year. So instead of doing it all on the front end, we want to do seven days in January, seven days in May, and then return a, another time for seven days in September. And the reason why we do this we start every year out seeking first the kingdom of God. And I believe what we seek first really sets the trajectory of everything else in our life. That's why we do this. We don't want to say, well, what, what programs are we going to kick off first? What, you know, what we, we want God first, his presence first, his voice first, his kingdom first. He said the seek first what? The kingdom of God and all the other things are what? Added to you. So he's telling us if you put God first, the trajectory of everything else just happens. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things. And when he says other things, he's talking about the things you're worried about. It's in the context of worry. If you go back and, and read it, I believe, is that Matthew 6 or Matthew? Yeah, it's Matthew 6. And we'll hit a little bit of that tonight when we, when we kick this off. But we start every year off with prayer. And fasting. So what I want to do before we get into the message is I want to pray. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. So there's uh, different prayer targets. It could be for your government, your family, your church, your life, someone you influence, those who need God. And then there's page 13, just a blank spot for notes. But I want you to ask the Lord, ask Holy Spirit, what is going to be your some, some prayer targets for you over these next uh, seven days. So just go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head. Just ask the Lord. Just ask Holy Spirit. Who am I to pray for this week? If you have a sense of what that is or the Lord is revealing what that is, can you just quickly shoot up your hand? All right. For those of you who you got something, would you just write that down? Write that down into your, your, your prayer guide there, like what your prayer target is. I believe the Lord is going to bring that back up over the next few weeks uh, on the other side of our prayer and fast. And as you're writing it down, I want to read our target scripture today, which is Matthew chapter 6. So we spent the summer and this fall going through the Sermon on the Mount. We actually skipped a portion 
no one caught it. I was, I was waiting, like, hey, you missed a whole part. Well, I, I wanted to save it for today. The part we didn't read when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. When you fast. When you fast. Turn to somebody and ask them, when, when do you fast? Hmm. When you fast, let me just say this. Now, this, Jesus is not saying this in a critical way. Um, he starts out right away. He says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. He, what he's saying is like, there are some who fast out of religious obligation, and they want you to see it. And Jesus is saying, when we fast, it is not out of religious obligation, and it's not for other people to see it. So he goes on to say, truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your face and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father. Jesus is telling us, when we fast, it's not out of a religious obligation like the hypocrites, who just do it because it's, you know, because it's the first of the year. We want you to fast with us, not our obligation, or because it's the first of the year. We do that corporately as a community, but the heart is to encounter the Father. Jesus tells us that when we fast, it is about encountering our Father. And I love that he uses Father over God because it shows us the heart of God is relational. And everything we ever wanted to be true about an earthly father is absolutely true about our heavenly father. And he wants us to encounter him. And he, in fact, tells us that that's the result of fasting. So that it won't be obvious that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The reward is him. The reward is his presence. The reward is encountering Jesus. Tonight we're kicking off a seven-day prayer focus that we call Seek. We've done this every year. It's corporate prayer. It's corporate fasting. It's corporate worship. And the goal is this, to encounter the Father's heart to encounter the reward, to reset and recalibrate our heart, to, to initiate a habit of encountering him. Uh, it, it's a reset. It's like a realigning to our spiritual compass, uh, both personally and corporately. So here's what fasting is. Fasting is this. It's drawing yourself, or I'm sorry, denying yourself. I should just put these on denying yourself food or comfort for a set amount of time for the purpose of experiencing God's power and his love through prayer. We're humbling ourselves before God. We are intentionally minimizing distractions so that we can encounter, or out of normal routine, so that we encounter God's presence. What fasting does is it silences all the other voices so that the one voice can be heard. He's the reward. Fasting is not a religious obligation, and we don't want you to participate over these seven days because you feel like you have to. 
But I feel like if you do, you'll get to the point as we keep returning throughout the year, you're going to say, I want to. Because I've encountered the reward. I've encountered his presence. I've, I've en- I have encountered him. And the reason why most of us start the year out with New Year's resolutions. Or like, what's your one word this year? And, uh, but the thing about New Year's resolutions is they usually just wear out. We just get bored with it. We move on. It doesn't actually happen. That's why everybody who actually does work out all year, take January off. So you get your gym membership. They take the month off knowing you're going to be done somewhere in mid-February because you ran out of steam because you set a goal instead of creating a habit. The goal was lose 50 pounds. The habit you needed was to show up consistently. And don't, don't count the weight. Just keep showing up. And the outcome will be a lose weight. This is true for prayer. This is why we take the first of every year. This is why we're going to do it again in May. This is why we're going to do it in September. Because I felt this from the Lord. It's like, don't just make this about the first of the year. Make this a habit so that the outcome is I want to pray more. The outcome is encountering more of his presence. So there's different types of fasting in the Bible. There's a different amounts of days. There's anywhere from one day, three days, 40 days, 21 days, 10 days. Um, most of the fast in the Bible is simply fasting from food. So they were only drinking water. Daniel had a different type of fast. He fasted from the food that was at the king's table. So we call that a Daniel fast, which was essentially just everything kosher was all he would eat, just fruits and vegetables. Um, so here's some different fasts as you're just thinking about how to spend the first seven days is a water fast, which is abstaining from all foods. Um, you could do a juice fast, which is still abstaining from food, but you're adding juice to maybe get some sugar or something that you might need. A Daniel fast, which is only fruits and vegetables. Um, you can do a selective fast or intermittent fasting, or maybe you fast your meal at lunchtime so that you can spend time with God and, and pray with him. It's just you're setting aside that time, and you know, this will work for me. It could be that What I'm going to do, I'm kind of mixing it up a little bit where I'm fasting some complete days, intermittent fasting on the other days. But I'm fasting every day over these next seven days, either all day or a portion of the day that's both fasting completely, a complete day fast or an intermittent fast. But the one fast I would encourage all of us to do is a comfort fast, a social media fast. You Listen, did you just hear all those moans? Did you hear that? I heard the grumbling. Uh, Gaming online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever your choice, Netflix, Hulu, Voodoo, whatever, you know, what's the other one? Peacock, yeah, Peacock and all the other ones. And now, I guess now AT&T, I was getting a text because I got AT&T. They're like, hey, you not signed up for HBO whatever. And like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna fast because I believe the Lord has called us to it. But here, here's why I want you to do that because we live in a very noisy, chaotic culture and everything is competing for your attention. Research shows minimal. This ain't even average. I think the average is like, the average person is somewhere like seven hours if I remember right. But minimal three hours a day on, online. Like, not, not your entertainment, Online, Facebook, looking at TikTok, 
three hours of your day. This, this is rocking my world when I, when, I, when I think about these numbers. Let's set this aside because if that's the first thing you're looking at in the morning is Fox News or CNN or your, whatever, or, or you're checking your Facebook account or looking at the emails, you're setting the trajectory of your day. And it is first. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. All the other things be added to you. Whatever we seek first does set the trajectory of everything else in our life. I believe this. So I want to talk about today the outcomes of fasting. And then tonight when we kick it off, I'm going to talk about what a seeker is. We call it seek. And I feel like uh, there's things I want to share tonight. I changed my message last minute this week for tonight. But here's what fasting, the results of fasting, is number one, it quiets the noise of the world while amplifying God's voice. Yeah, We're going to talk tonight about how hunger is the key, but whatever we feed is, is what's feeding our spirit, and we got to get rid of all the noise and it does amplify. They're the best way to hear God, and this is a question I'm asked often. I don't know if I'm hearing God or how quiet are you getting? Because everything is competing for your attention, social media, your, your friends, your schedule, your work. And the only way we can encounter God is if we slow down, minimize the distractions, and lean into what he is saying. And when we fast, it quiets the noise of the world, but it amplifies God's voice. An increase of his voice will happen. When we fast, it amplifies the word of God. When, I, when I'm fasting and I'm reading God's word, there's things that jump out at me that, that, that wouldn't normally in my normal reading pattern. Because I'm eliminating noise, it's highlighting, there's a, the key to it is hunger, both spiritual hunger and physical hunger, and, there, and it starts to elevate God's voice. This is what he will do, do for us. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8 is the, you can drop it for a second, I'm going to talk. Deuteronomy 8 is a, uh, the scripture that Jesus quotes when he fasts for 40 days. Now this is interesting to me because Jesus spends the first 30 years of his life as a carpenter. He, you know, he would be an apprentice to Joseph, his earthly father. He probably was building Tiberius because um, that was near Nazareth, which is where he grew up. And he spends first 30 years as a carpenter. And before he goes into ministry, he's baptized by John the Baptist. And I believe it's the book of Luke says immediately before he does a miracle, be, before he preaches a message, before he does the, his first miracle of turning water into wine at the wedding, before he feeds the thousands, before he gathers his, his disciples, he fasts for 40 days. Scriptures tells us it's in the wilderness. Why that's important is because the wilderness is where all the other voice, he, he's not hearing everything else. The wilderness is the quiet place. The wilderness is the secret place. The wilderness is the place where you're not distracted because you are alone. It, it's the secret place. 
And this is what he quotes to the devil when he starts speaking to him in the middle of his fasting. And I'll just say to you, it does amplify God's voice, but the enemy, your flesh is going to be screaming during the next seven days, especially if you're fasting food. You're going to say, give me chips and salsa tonight. Because, you know, let's be real. During the day, you're kind of busy. You're moving. And it's not as hard, but it's when it's 7 o'clock rolls around, the day's winding down. And you hear it, hey, man, don't you want some chips and salsa? I'm like, yes, yes. Your flesh is going to be screaming. But when Jesus was fasting for these 40 days, the enemy comes in the midst of his fasting while he's hungry, while he's worn out. And you know what he begins to do is he begins to amplify God's word. It is written. It is If you're really the son of God, command these stones to be turned. It is written. And this is what he's quoting is Deuteronomy. He fasts for 40 days. It's interesting. He's fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. One day for every year of their wilderness. It's a comparison that Jesus is doing. It says this in Deuteronomy 8. Remember now, the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would see his commandments, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. And then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you the man does not live by bread alone, but every word. He hungers you to teach you that if we don't live by bread alone. So this is literally a fast. But on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And this is what Jesus quotes. I fear many of us have a hard time hearing the voice of the Lord because we don't actually slow down to encounter him. It says, be still and know. We know him in the stillness. Scriptures talk about waiting on the Lord. Or an anticipation in the waiting is when we encounter. He's in the waiting. He's in the ceasing. He's in the stopping. He's in the secret place. But we want to keep moving and keep going. And we maybe we'll go to God when there's a crisis in our life. And you know, so you'll, you'll email the church, say, pray for us, we're in a crisis. Or you know, something happens, it's like, we got to pray. But what God wants is this to be our lifestyle. He wants this to be our habit so that he adds to all that. So in the midst of it, when you get hit with the crisis, you're not shaken like everyone else because you already know who you are because you've taken time to slow down, to encounter him, to hear him. But we can't hear him in the busyness. We can't hear him when we're indulging on Netflix for hours. We can't hear him when we're gaming online all night. Yeah, I'm kicking your altars. Yeah, you can't hear him when we're wrapped up and everything that's going on in social media, checking everybody's posts, and did you know, and trying to respond or get our thing out there. What if you just stopped? There was a decade. It's amazing. The 1980s. There was no internet yet. There were whispers of it in the 90s. Geeky people were talking about it in the 90s. Hey, if you're a geek and a nerd, you are the hero now, aren't you? Like, But there was this time when... 
If you had to call somebody, you'd you'd go you'd drive your car to a phone booth. You 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 somebody's like, what's a phone booth? It was like this thing, it's maybe about this big. It's what Superman used to change into when he needed like you'd go into this, it had a door like outside, like a little glass like thing. You'd go in there be a phone in there. But now it's like right here. And if someone wanted to get a hold of you, just say, hey, when he gets home, would you have him call me? And you had to wait. And it, it actually made the phone call more appreciative because you had a waiting to get to it. Now it's just like, why don't you text me back? Why don't you text me back? And we're just, and it's like always right here, 24-7, complete access to your life. We were never designed by God to live that way. If you want an increase of God's voice, we have to slow down. I remember the first men's event we did was 2015. I took three guys. We, we just planted the church. We was just a year old. And Jen and I, we were hustling. There was only, I was the only one on staff. So like we, we made every phone call. We answered every email. We wrote every card that got sent to visitors. It's like we, we were mowing the yard every Saturday and it was three acres and it was like all day Saturday. It was like a thing because we'd rake the yard. I mean, we were doing it all. And I remember when we were planting, it was just felt like it can never slow down. And, and on this event that I took these men to, it's called The Road. Uh, it's like a, a, a form of what we call our awakening event. But the first one we ever did was a road. And I only went to, I knew what it was because I had been on one a couple years, five years earlier. And I knew this would be a thing that unlocks men's hearts. So I just wanted to check out the road, see what they were doing. I took a couple guys with me. Three guys went with me. And um, on fast day, I was serving the event. And these guys went with me, they were participating. But the facilitator of the event said, hey, does any, anyone on the staff want to fast today with the participants? And I knew, oh, my gosh, to have a day. Because even this thing, I'm serving again. So the fact the facilitator laid it out, I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of that. And so one of the, what they did on the road is they had them do a Manassas fast, which, you know, like a monk, don't talk. Can you imagine that? Have you ever tried not talking for a day? Now, probably most of us have never done that. It is really hard. And some of you probably couldn't do it for 10 minutes. Like, you know who you are. You just, you dominate the conversation. You're always talking. But so they, so I'm like, yes. And it just felt so good to say nothing. And they had a prayer guide that, you know, kind of like what we got here. And I, I took it out there and I'm fast for a day. I'm saying nothing. And in, in the midst, about halfway through, maybe three, four hours into it, I'm watching this bird just like build a nest and like fasting. And God's like speaking to me through it. And I'm just like, wow, this is so amazing. Like, just everything all of a sudden is being amplified. I'm fasting physically, like, you know, no food that day. So a real fast. I'm watching this bird speaking to me. It's ministering to me. I'm hearing God's voice. And I, I can't remember how the conversation went, but I brought it up to the Lord about just, I feel suffoca I'm suffocating spiritually. And I'll never forget what he said. Well, you don't slow down enough. Because God won't, he may sometimes, out of his love and out of his grace and mercy, intervene in our hurriedness. But realize, that's grace and mercy. That's not how we're intended to live. He doesn't want to be our father only in crisis and grace and mercy. He wants us to slow down and encounter his voice. And that is my point. It was in the slowing, it was when I stopped talking, it was when I had no access to the outside world, online, or otherwise, 
And I was encountering this deep love. I'm going to share, you've heard me share this, but I want to say it again. The most, one of the most powerful moments of my life with the Lord was another fast day in 2010. Same thing, I'm fasting for the Lord. And I did a three-day fast. But it was day one where he just deposited his love into me. And, uh, and just, I just heard him say for the first time, you never let me love you. Like, I know you love me. That's weird. Like, I know the Bible. God so loved the world. He's like, yeah, you know. You know I love you intellectually. But you don't let me love you emotionally, spiritually. And it flipped my world. It's, that, that, that was 2010, end of March, April 2010. And it just changed everything about my life. But I had to slow down to get to the point where I, his voice was being amplified. His love was being amplified. You don't get that in the pace of life. And we are living at a breakneck pace. Everything is competing for our attention. But fasting quiets that noise and elevates God's voice in our life. Number two. Fasting releases breakthrough and strengthens faith. Fasting will release breakthrough and strengthen faith. I, I would, I'd be willing to bet everyone here that you're, you're expecting God to come through for you in some way. A breakthrough in your marriage. There's this addiction you can't kick and you need to break it. There's this unspiritual, unholy thing going on in your life and you don't know why you keep lying, but you do. And you can't seem to, you keep believing the lie that you're not good enough. And you, you know, you go to church, you hear say that you're loved, but you don't believe it. You can't feel loved. You don't think you're loved. You don't think you're beautiful. You don't think you're smart. You keep believing lies and you can't, you intellectually know it's not true. You know it's not true. You, you want to get past the anger that you're feeling or the fr deep frustrations you, you want. But you hear it, and we know be angry and do not sin, but you still, like, it comes up, it sneaks up, and you can't break that habit. Some things only happen when you get a word from the Lord, and, and you only get it because you fasted and you prayed, and he breaks through. He, get, he gives you the strength. He gives you the victory, and you overcome but it only happens through fasting. And there are some things that we can only break through and overcome because we've set aside time to fast and to seek the heart of God. Now let me just say this to you. We almost, almost all fasting that comes with an agenda. And what happens, at least my experience, is he never talks to me about my agenda. And so, well, I fasted, it doesn't work. Well, no, you wanted your agenda. You wanted your answers. You'll get your breakthrough, but it's going to be in God's timing. And often I've learned there's a time release to fasting. It can be right now supernatural, and I have God ha has spoke to me quickly, supernaturally, in a fast but often it's never about, when I was fasting that one day, 2010, I wasn't going to the Lord about his love. I was going to the Lord like, what's wrong with you, Lord, that I'm always depressed? 
Why am I always depressed? I want a solution. And I thought the solution was going to be a tweak to my life. Like, oh, yeah, do boom, boom, boom. Here's, here's the formula. Here's the plan. Here's the structure. You do this, you'll be all right. Somebody said, that was my agenda. But what he said was, you never let me love you. And it was one word. You know, one moment with God, one moment can change the rest of your life. Fasting brings breakthrough. Thinking of Chris Hodges, who planted Church of the Highlands in the Highlands area of Alabama. And uh, he's who we, we said under his ministry under, for planting a church. And he was an executive pastor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at a very large church. He thought he'd be there his whole life. And at 38, 39 years old, he goes into a deep depression. He doesn't know why. He can't get out of it. And his church was having a 21-day prayer and fasting. And he said, it was the first time where I really did it. You know what I mean? Like, you're on staff. You got to do what the boss tells you to show up for the next 7 to 21 days. And he's like, but this time, he said, I'm going to fast for 21 days. And in the midst of that 21-day fast, he hears God say, I'm calling you to plan a church. And that's not what he was thinking, but that was the breakthrough that he needed. It wasn't his agenda, but is what the Lord said to him. Mine came in 2012. You've heard me share my story of depression. In 2009, I was diagnosed with depression, put on medication. I'm trying to reset and recalibrate my life and organize my life, and I'm doing all the right things to get out of depression medically. And it's interesting, it wasn't until my fast that I felt loved and free all the things that I have been doing for the last 18 months. Well, then fast forward a couple years, I'm getting some freedom, and we're entering into a 21-day prayer and fasting with the church of 2012, and my agenda wasn't what the Lord said, and he didn't release it right away. And in the midst of the 21 days, there, like I can't remember, week one, week two, there is like a meltdown between me and one of my sons. In the midst of 21 days perfect. I'm like, Lord, this ain't how it's supposed to be. I'm fasting, right? Like, I'm supposed to encounter your love. You're supposed to be my reward in all of this. And here's my plan and my agenda. Why am I having a meltdown? And this is what happens. Because when you're fasting, you're stepping into a spiritual realm. And so you will feel the attack of the enemy. Remember, it's the, it was during Jesus' fast when the devil comes to him. But it's in the fasting where he is highlighting the, the God's word. It's where his word is being amplified, being true for him. His identity is being challenged. And it's written, it's written, it's written. So we're having this meltdown. And this may, you know, been the attack of the enemy. But in the midst of it, there is like this dialogue. Because my son was telling me, you know, I, don't, I feel like you don't love me. Listen, what I was feeling like was a, uh, like a meltdown was actually the grace of God revealing to me how my son was feeling. The Lord knew what I needed because I didn't know. The Lord knew what he needed. And so it's like, you're going to fast in hell, but watch out because something's about ready to break in your home. It's going to get broken. It's going to get ugly, but then there's going to be a healing on the other side of it. So don't fear the pressure. Don't fear the breaking. Don't lean into it, actually. Don't stop the fast. You keep leaning in like the enemy would want you to stop so you don't get the breakthrough. And then in the midst of it, he gets a prophetic word. I'll never forget it. He was like, the Lord says, we're going to go to the nations. You're going you're gonna to lead worship in our place, and he's going to pay for it. And I was like, 
oh, what? And then that February, the trip to Ecuador comes up. Pastor John approaches me and says, hey, you want to go to Ecuador? We'll pay for it. I take my guitar. I'm leading worship in, a, in an Ecuadorian church. Like everything. But it was time released and it happened right away. Also in 2012. 21-day prayer focus. January 2012. I'm fasting for one thing. God says, well, I'm going to send you on a missions trip in about six months. I'll pay for it. You do this. All it all happened. He doesn't tell me in January, but by May, he is speaking to me about planting this church. And by June, I know it's Jackson, Michigan. That was 10 years ago, 11 years ago this month. 11 years ago this month. But it was a small window of 21 days of intense prayer and fasting. And it was time released, but it brought breakthrough. I believe you're here in this room today because of a 21-day prayer focus in January of 2012. And you don't know how you're leaning in over these next seven days, and when we do it in May, when we do it in September. You, know, you don't know how the leaning in over just a small window of time, if you set... First, if you seek first his kingdom, the trajectory of your life changes. And he adds everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added to you. Set the seek him first and, and the trajectory of everything else happens. And you don't know the outcome. I'm not going to promise you that you, you know, if you're fasting for the new Cadillac or to win that next lotto or to be the next famous YouTuber, that's a word. I don't know. I'm not going to say that's going to happen. But I am going to say you're going to get breakthrough. It's not going to happen the way you want it to. Might be in the middle of a meltdown. And you think your world's falling apart. But actually, the mess up is actually a setup for something better. Jesus' disciples couldn't cast out a boy who had a demon. He shows up and he does it. They're confused because they're like, Jesus, we did it. We, we said in Jesus' name, it didn't happen. Why didn't it happen? He tells why. Matthew 17. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say this mountain, move from here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. There's some breakthrough that won't happen in your life without an intentional setting aside some time to minimize distractions, to get alone with God so his voice elevates, so he builds your faith for the breakthrough, for the moment that you're seeking. Man's heart can invent plans, visions, dreams. We, we can think of all of these things, and the Scripture tells us, I think it's Proverbs 69, a man's heart plans away, but the Lord directs the steps. And that breakthrough for the plan and the way you, you got it all, you, you figured out. You're like, I'm going to do this, you know, a couple years in school, we're going to move to this city. And, uh, and the Lord's saying, well, that's your plans. Why don't you fast? And then you get a breakthrough. And he, he, he might just bless it, and it is true. You've heard well, and, and it might be he's going to use it another way. The last thing is this, and we'll, I'm going to drill down on this tonight, maybe a little more. But number three, fasting awakens the body of believers to a greater cause. 
it is actually a thing that knits us together as a congregation. It's not just personally for you. You got personal prayer targets. We got church uh, prayer targets, and I'll probably hit on these tonight. But it actually knits our hearts together and awakens us to a greater thing, a greater cause, a thing that we're called to do by God. I literally prayed all through Joel chapter 2 on Thursday. And I felt like I could just preach Joel chapter 2 on fasting. So, but I've only selected a few verses. But I want to show how this happens. Joel chapter 2, verse 15. Let me just pause and say, I'm sorry. I feel like I have so much in me. It's like fire shut up in my bones. It's like I got like all this things. I feel like the Lord is these burdens, a burden for the message, and it can only give you like a, a touch of it. But this is on the heels. This is what Peter quotes when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes upon the church in Acts chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 is what Peter quotes. Like this is what's happening. Joel chapter 2 verse 15, blow a trumpet. Listen, a trumpet alerts you. In ancient times, the trumpet would be blown for battle. The trumpet would be blown for special occasions, for celebrations, for weddings, things like that. Uh, says, blow the trumpet. So they're saying, let it be known. Let's alert everybody. It's, it's an alerting. It's a sound alarm. He's saying, wake up. Wake everybody up. When you blow the trumpet, it's so everybody knows. So blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. So this is a people getting together, a body of believers. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Fasting is holy. This, This is sacred. You're in a sacred moment. You're in a holy moment right now. You're like, well, I'm bored. I'm at church. Like, No, understand you're in something significant. There's something God is weaving into your heart in the gathering. And then he says, gather the, gather the children, gather the elders, those nursing at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room. In other words, what does that mean, gather, consecrate the bride? He said, make this a priority. That's what he's saying. For everybody, the children, even if you just got married and you're in, your, you know, you're in the wedding chambers, no, this is a priority, a holy fast. And then he tells us why. Jump down to verse 28, and this is what Peter quotes. And afterward, after what? The calling of the people where you sound alarm, we need to fast. And if you read the whole context, it's like rent your heart before the Lord so that there will be a renewal in the land. After the fast. So it's time released. Fasting is time released. Afterward. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You think, well, I want more of the Lord. I want an increase of voice. Fast. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in heavens on earth, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be darkened. Uh, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming in the great deadful day of the Lord. Let me just tell you something. There is a return of the Lord. Jesus is coming back. It's one of the forgotten things that we no longer teach in Western culture. We want church to be all about felt needs. We don't want to hear that there is a day of judgment, that there is a day we do stand before the Lord, and he is loving, and, and, and he is waiting, but he waits so that none of us would perish. Yeah. 
It's a great and dreadful day. But the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is because of the end times. I remember in 2020, and I, you know, it's funny to say it now, but I actually meant it. I was asking the Lord, and, you know, because we were said, this is only going to be a couple weeks. And by fall, I'm saying, Lord, are you coming back? Because the whole world has gone crazy. And the church has stopped gathering globally. This wasn't some local pandemic. This, this, there was like this global thing that's happening to the church. And I think this can't be unless God's coming back because he has called his people to gather and the gathering is not happening. What's going on? And I think God, one of the blessings of the pandemic is that the real believers got serious about the Lord again. And lukewarm haven't come back. There's been a decrease in church attendance globally. But for others, it was like they felt how the church was really a spiritual family. But that's not even my point. Verse 32. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will what? Be saved. From on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be what? Deliverance. When we pray and fast and we call the sacred assembly as a people, it knits our hearts together. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that people are saved and delivered. Our seven-day prayer focus is not just about your dream and your breakthrough. It's the breakthrough of the community of Jackson. It's the break. It, listen, if you, we want you to pray because if you pray and you seek God and I do it and you do it and you do it, now there's a community, then the community's getting better. And then if the church is doing it, then the community of Jackson encounters the saving and the deliverance of the Lord. Because when you're praying and fasting, he's convicting you. He's saying, I need you to plant a church. I need you to start a ministry. I need you to go love on that person. And all of these things just start like fire sparking outside. It is not about the four walls. The four walls is to encourage and strengthen and to challenge and to convict so your lives are transformed so you go back out and help save and deliver people. That is why we pray. That is why we fast. Listen, all churches pray, but not all churches are praying churches. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Every great awakening, every revival in history has always been on the cuffs of a praying and worshiping people. Not because of a need. We think because there's a need, God would move. No, no. He, Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, and I'm almost done. I know I went long for you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Pray this. He said, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. So it's interesting. Is Jesus telling us the plans of heaven is not released upon the earth until we pray? If my people who are called by my name would what? Humble themselves and pray. Then I would come and heal their land. You want to see God move? Pray. Don't ask what program I need to start. Pray. When Jesus said, look at the harvest field, he didn't say, Peter, go start a program. There's a harvest. Go start a drug addiction program. Go start uh, uh, a young adults program. Go, go start a creative ministry. Go start a homeless ministry. Go start a, name your passion. Name your burden. And he doesn't say, see, he looked on the people with compassion. And what did he say to his disciples? you remember? Pray therefore. 
If we want to see prayer and fasting releases a movement upon the, the earth for God's greater cause. When you pray, you personally will get, God's voice will be amplified in your life. When you pray, there will be a breakthrough for you. It might not be the way you think, and it might not be in his timing, but it'll happen. And when you pray, it's awakening God's people to a greater cause, which is lost people, hurting people, those who are broken and don't know it. So I'll wrap it up. This is going to be quick. How, how do we do this? Number one, just ask the Holy Spirit how you're to participate during seek. What's going to be your fast? I, again, I just ask everyone. Let, I hope it's all of us. It's social media. Just set that aside. That is probably the, pro, the, the dominant thing that takes up your time. Just if you do that. And then if he says something about food or other types of fast, you can do that. Two, attend all the seat gatherings. Every night, starting tonight, for the next eight nights, we're gathering as a church. And um, except for maybe Saturday... Uh, the prayer gatherings are going to look different than our normal weekly prayer gathering. I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to do it differently, and I, I'm going to obey that. So that's tonight's a kickoff. There will be worship teaching tomorrow night. Tuesday night we'll be gathering. Wednesday, um, Cliff Graham will be here. He's an evangelist. I've asked him to come because I think the Lord wants to impart upon our church the spirit of evangelism to replicate our faith to our community. And sometimes you don't get that with someone not coming from the outside to deposit it in us like the prophetic presbytery some of you are like scratching your head about pres prophet prophecy until you've seen it and then you're like oh that's why we're doing that thursday friday night prayer gathering saturday night a prayer gathering and what i've learned over our, when we do these seven day prayer focuses and we've done it for three years in august by saturday there is great expectation by Saturday, you can feel the building up of, of the prayers accumulated over those seven days. So make a priority. If you can't attend them all, at least attend some. And then three, just use the prayer guide. There's different prayers in here. And if you don't know how to pray, the Lord's prayer is in here and it breaks it down for you. And if you don't know how to pray, let me just say this. Pray the Lord's prayer until it's formed in you. Pray the Lord's Prayer until prayer is formed in you. Listen, I'm not asking you to do this out of religious obligation. I'm asking you to do it to set Jesus first and you start out 23 because I think it'll set the trajectory for the rest of the year. It's not out of obligation. It's because you're loved. And, he, and you want the reward of the Father.